Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. We have multiple locations, including an online service found at gethope.tv. If you're not from the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina or near our Agape campus in Haiti, we'd love to still have you be a part of what Hope is up to through our online services. If you do live in our physical area, go to our website at gethope.net to check out where our campuses are located and our service times. Please like and share this with your friends or family. We are so glad you stopped by. All right, well, uh, welcome Hope Church. Man, it is really good to gather with you guys. Hey, um, if you got your Bibles, head over to Lamentations chapter three. I'm gonna give you 15 minutes to get there. Uh, Lamentations chapter three. And uh, man, let me just say, uh, my name's Josh. And uh, like they mentioned earlier, I'm the senior pastor of a church in Dallas called Lake Point Church. And uh, I, I just gotta be really honest uh, with you guys. It, it's a bit of an overwhelming honor to be here at Hope Church with you. Uh, for a couple of reasons for me, uh, one, I'm friends with some of the people on staff here. Don Smith, one of your executive pastors, a good friend of mine. Uh, but also, this is, is kind of cool for me, a little surreal. Um, when I was kind of first coming into ministry and learning to preach, I would listen sometimes to Hope Church podcasts when I was young in ministry and kind of learning how to do ministry. That's right, man. We can say, now, if you're going to clap, you got to commit. You got to go all in. And so, uh, yeah, man. And so your church, you guys have really had an influence on me. And, uh, and so it's a little bit of like this surreal honor to be able to bring the scriptures to you this week. In fact, um, on the way here, I was texting my wife, uh, Jana, about uh, just what a, an overwhelming honor it is to be at Hope Church. And uh, Jan, I'm gonna tell you Jana's attempt at encouraging me. This is exactly what she said. This was her text. She said, Josh, don't try to be witty, funny, or intelligent. Just be you. That's what she said, all right? And so I'm, I'm gonna do that. Uh, I'm gonna do that. Uh, well, hey, um, let me lead in um, to the message that, uh, that I, I get an honor to bring. And I do want you to know this. You know, I've been keeping up with Hope Church and a lot of the transition going on in the life of the church. And uh, I, I really feel like the message that I get to bring uh, this weekend is a, is a God-ordained moment, like a, like a fresh word in season. And the reason I say that is um, we chose me to bring this message three or four months ago before anything happened here. And in fact, what you're gonna see in your church is what we've seen at my church. I'm on the back end. I'm like the, the next guy at, at Lake Point. And what you see a lot of times is when a church walks through a transition in a leadership like you guys are seeing, is that God uses that moment to show the church that the power was always in his presence and not a person. And there's no greater thing than when somebody drives away from a church and they go, man, what was the name of that church? Or who was that pastor? I don't know, but I met God there. And that's what we wanna see and that's what you have always seen uh, here at Hope Church. And so this is an honor. So here's what we're doing. Um, the entire message today, it's really just, it's been a word for me for a year. And it's one word, it's the word wait. Uh, it's the word wait. Now, what's interesting, let me, let me set this up before I get into the passage. Uh, what's interesting and honestly kind of frustrating to me is when I first became a Christian and was kind of being discipled, what I felt like everyone talked about is they would talk about how you needed like this, this great faith for whatever work God would call you to. You know, someday, you know, God's gonna call you to an incredible work and you've gotta have faith to step forward into that work. But I'll be really honest, like what I've seen in just these 
two decades of trying to walk with Jesus is that I, I need more faith a lot of times to wait than to work. That a lot of times that's a lot harder. You know, it's, it's really interesting for me. Like if I look back at my life, you know, kind of my story was uh, I, got, I got saved like in, uh, in high school. And as soon as God saved me, like, man, I just, you know, like every other high school guy, I just wanted like God to bring me a godly wife. Like that's all I cared about. And so, man, I, you know, I just, God, I'm praying for that. God, bring me a godly wife. I, I really want to see that happen. And, and what immediately happened is a lot of waiting. Now, really quick, this is for free. I understand there are a lot of young single people at some of our campuses here at Hope Church. And I've also been told that this is the type of advice that I can actually give at Hope Church. So let me give some advice to our younger single people who are waiting for a spouse. Okay, guys, whenever you get to the spot where it's your wedding day, here's what you gotta understand. She's been waiting for this day her entire life. She bought her first wedding magazine when she was 14 years old. She did the towel on her head, all that stuff. So here's all you need to know. This is free advice. I'm gonna save your future marriage. Here's all you need to know is when it gets to that day, all you gotta do is just wear what she tells you to wear, stand where she tells you to stand, and do what she tells you to do, and you'll make her the happiest woman in the world. Okay, now listen. Girls, when you get to your wedding night, he's been waiting for this night his whole life. So here's all you gotta do. Just stand where he tells you to stand, wear what he tells you to wear, and do what he tells you to do, and you'll make him the happiest man in the world. Amen, is that right? I think that's true, all right? So you just gotta know that, right? Is it, man, I, you know, you get in there and it's, and that was my experience. I got into this moment of waiting and it was like, man, I needed faith for that wait. And then for me, later on in my life, you know, God called me to ministry really young and like, I just, I just wanted to preach the Bible. Like I just, everything in me, it was like a fire shut up in my bones, like the word says. And God gave me that calling but it wasn't until years later, until I got to see that dream become a reality, it was just lots of waiting. Uh, man, I, you know, I'll, I'll be super honest, the first time I saw the video that we played earlier in this, the service, this story, uh, when I saw that before the service today, I just wept um, because that's mine and my wife's story. As we got into marriage, we were ready to have kids and, uh, and we, we started trying immediately. And then it was like one month, two months, six months, one year, three years, five years. And any of you who have ever walked through like that waiting of infertility, you know, it's, it's really weird because like, especially for your wife, there's like a new grieving process every month. And it was like, man, it's like, God, we feel like you gave us this promise and we're not seeing this payoff. And then you know, I'll be really honest. So my story is, I became the senior pastor of my church. Do this math in your head real quick. I became the senior pastor of my church the second week of February in 2020. <laughs> Timing is everything. And so I was the senior pastor of this church. I'm really excited. It's kind of like I'm, I'm living my dream. And then three weeks later, you know, church online, COVID, everything happens. And in one night, my worst nightmare became a reality. Church online, I became a televangelist immediately, just immediately. And it was just like the entire year was this moment of just of waiting. And so I have one verse, just one verse I want to kind of riff on. It's Lamentations 3.26. And here's all it says. It says, it is good for a person to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It's good. 
Uh, here's who this message is for. This message is for the single person that's been single for 40 years. And every time somebody tells you that singleness is a spiritual gift, you like wanna fire right back and say, hey man, it feels a lot more like a trial to endure than a gift to exercise. Um, this message is for the parent of a prodigal child that's running away from the Lord. And you like, like you, you feel like the prodigal, the, the father in the scriptures. It's like, man, every day you're like waiting on the proverbial, you know, Porsche, just eyes to the sunset, praying for your child to come home. And you've been waiting for five years, 10 years, 20 years. This, this message is for the person who uh, you're waiting, you've been praying for healing from a physical or emotional issue and nothing's happening. And this sermon, is for a church that's really, really excited about the future, but you're waiting to see what that future is gonna look like. What do you do when God says wait? What do you do? Well, uh, let me start here. What we gotta understand is that when we're waiting, you gotta understand you're in really good company. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. When you start reading the Bible and you kinda comb through uh, the narrative of the scriptures, what you start notice, noticing is a lot of people wait. Israel waited 40 years to get into the promised land. Uh, Jesus waited 30 years to start his ministry. Paul, we kinda don't do this math a lot of times. Paul waited 17 years after Jesus appeared to him before he was appointed to ministry. There were, think about this, 15 years between the time that David is consecrated to become the future king of Israel and the time that he's coronated and actually begins to take the throne. A lot of us know the story of Abraham and Sarah. There were, think about this, 25 years between God's promise of a son and the payoff of the birth of Isaac. Now, let me just ask this, like, why? Like, why is it that God is constantly asking us to wait. Like, what is he doing, okay? Well, um, let me show you this, Where's it? here it is. Uh, let me show you this, Here's, let me give you a little visual illustration of this. So this is my iPhone right here. Um, I, think, I want you to think about the different ways that we have taken pictures, like, it, it, let me just do in my lifetime, okay? In my lifetime. So right now, if we wanna take a picture, it's just like point, snap, and immediate. It's a snap and upload culture. We call it, Instagram because it happens instantly. Now, I also just wanna just kind of say this. I praise God Almighty that there was not social media when I was in high school. I am so thankful. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. That's not what it was like. That's right, man. I am really excited about that. But, but this is how it is right now is if we wanna take a picture, it's instant. It's snap and upload. Now, listen, I'm gonna show you. Let me, let me see this other thing. If you know what this is, you are old enough for us to be friends, okay? If you know what this is, you are old enough for me and you to be friends. You guys tell me, this is a what? This is a Polaroid camera. And I'll be honest, the first time I saw one of these, I was like, there is something ungodly about that. There's no way, because this came out, like kind of the first time I saw one of these is like late eight, I'm an 80s baby, but the 90s made me kind of thing. So I saw one of these for the first time, late 80s, and this changed everything. Some of you guys have no idea what this is. I'm gonna explain this to you. This changed everything because for the first time, somebody could just like do this guy, point, and then boom. And then immediately, picture, I'm gonna have a great picture of you guys right over here. Picture comes out and then you would just shake it like a Polaroid. <laughs> That's what you do. And then you would have a picture in three minutes. In three minutes, you would have a picture. That was insane to me. Could not understand that now. Let me go back like even a little farther and like 
before Polaroid, who knows what this is? You guys know what this is? Okay, who knows what this is? All right, now some of you are watching, you're like, is there a small camera in there? Is that what that, no, no, no. This is, this is what's called 35 millimeter film. Now this is like, this is, you know, childhood for me. And here's what this was, is before Polaroid, before iPhone, what you would do is you would actually have to, this is film, that you would go to Walgreens or Kmart, and some of you don't even, don't even know what that is. And you would grab that, and then you would put this in your, in your camera that was not a phone, by the way, and then you would have a certain amount of pictures, 22, 26, and you would take them, and then once you were done with a roll, you would take this out, this film like out, out of the camera, drive it to like a Kmart or a Walgreens. You would drop this off, and then sometimes you would wait 10 days until you, can, imagine, 10 days until you got your pictures back and you saw what pictures you had taken. By the way, in that waiting period, you just prayed and fasted. You didn't take a whole roll of your foot because you had no idea. You had no idea what was on there. Now, I want you to think about this. What happened in those 10 days of waiting? What happened? What they would do is they would take this film and they would take it, listen to me, they would take it to a, what was called a dark room, a place where there was no light and no visibility. And this would undergo a process of development where it would expose the image and create an image on the film. And if anybody opened the door of that dark room and the light came in before the development was finished happening, it would expose it, the image on the negative, and it wouldn't come out. Now listen, a lot of us, watch this, a lot of us, when it comes to God's callings in our lives, we're expecting God to do this. Snap and upload, instant. I just, I just need to upload it and to be discovered. I just need somebody to discover me. I just need somebody you know, for this thing to happen. But, 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 but guys, watch this. God doesn't do this. God does this. And whenever God is doing a great work in your life, what he'll do is he'll send you to the dark room, a place where nobody sees. Nobody sees what you're doing. And watch this. What he's doing is he's forming an image in you before he does a great work through you. That's what God's doing. Now, don't knock that guy over. What God's doing is he's forming an image in you before he does something through you. There's actually a great uh, example of this. Do you guys remember the story? It's in 1 Samuel 16. One of the best examples in the entire Bible, it's the story of David. And the Bible's telling the story of David. It's at the end of the section where David is anointed as the future king of Israel. And then if you read 1 Samuel 16, what you'll notice is there's kind of this text And then there's a little paragraph break, a little white space, and then the next paragraph starts and it just keeps going and telling the story of David. Now, what's interesting is when I first read that in high school, I looked at that tiny little white space in between the story of David's consecration and where it picks up and keeps telling his story, and I always wondered what in the world happened in that white space. Bible scholars actually say that that white space was seven years long. Seven years were represented in that white space. Now, class, let me ask you a question. What do you think happened immediately after David was anointed as the future king of Israel? 
Uh, do you think he went straight to the palace? Do you think that David went right to the battlefield to fight Goliath? Do you think he went to be the star of the Hebrew bachelor to find a wife fit for a king? No, none of those things. You know where he went? Back to the pasture. He had just been consecrated as the future king of Israel. And now he's going, now I've got to follow around sheep for the next seven years. But we know that that's where God did some of his best work in David. It was in that white space, in the pasture, that David learned uh, the courage to fight the lion and the bear. Um, when David became the king of Israel, I love this. When David became king of Israel, what he said is, I am shepherding the people of Israel. In other words, I learned to sit the throne by walking the pasture. It's probably in that white space, while David was in that pasture for seven years, that he wrote the 23rd Psalm, the most powerful Psalm in the entire Bible. Guys, a white space in your life, it's the time between the call of God and the fulfillment of the dream. It's that time between promise and payoff. And what I know is that some of you are in white spaces right now. You're in the white space of silence. You're, you're in the white space of singleness. You might be in the white space of sickness. You might be waiting for a prodigal child to come home or the pregnancy test to come back positive. It might be a white space of unmet expectations and unfulfilled promises. And here's what you're doing right now. You are crying out to God, God, where are you? And you listen to me. I don't know what God is doing in your life either, but here's what I do know. I know that you can trust that with God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. That just because God is silent does not mean that God is absent. And you can trust that God is working in your white spaces, just like he was working in David and David's and Joseph's and Sarah's, because my God is not just alpha. He doesn't just start things. He's omega. He finishes things. Guys, it is good for us to wait on the salvation of the Lord. Don't waste your white space. Now, it, let me just say this. If we understand that God's at work in the wait, it kind of, what it does is it starts changing our definition of waiting, okay? Uh, here's what most people do when they're waiting on God to do something. They either wonder or they worry or they whine. Uh, they wonder, they say, when, Lord, when? Or they worry, you know, they say, how, Lord, how? You know, or they whine, they say, why, Lord, why? Here's what it looks like to wait on the Lord. It's when you say, what, Lord, what? What are you doing in me? What part of my character are you trying to develop? What sin are you calling me to repent of? What wound are you trying to heal? And God, wherever you lay your finger, I'm on it with my whole heart. See, guys, what we have to understand, when God says wait, li listen, waiting is not passivity. If you don't get anything else from this message, you need to remember that. Waiting is not passivity. Actually, we all know this. Think about this. When you go to a restaurant, the person that is very active in making sure that all your needs are taken care of and paying attention to you, we call that person a what? We call them a waiter. Waiting does not equal passivity. I'll give you an example of this. Um, years ago, it was uh, when I was in college, I had a chance, I, I was invited to the wedding of an extremely wealthy person and his his daughter's wedding reception was at the restaurant in Michael Jordan's neighborhood in, on Hilton Head Island. And it's the nicest restaurant I've ever been to. So there were like four people at each table. We could cut our steaks with a butter knife. It was amazing. Uh, but but it, it seemed like almost every person at every table like 
had their own waiter. And so it, there was this guy, it was almost like awkward and annoying. It was like every imaginable thing. I would take one little drink and he would just be right there. Here you go, Mr. Howerton. You know, like I would just think about possibly needing Splenda. Go, oh, you need some Splenda, Mr. Howerton. You know, I'd think about going to the bathroom. Do you need me to zip you up, Mr. Howerton? You know, it was just like right there, like anything that popped into my head, like he was just right there. And guys, that's, we need to wait on God like a waiter at a really nice restaurant where every day we wake up and we open his word and we say, man, God, here I am. I'm right here. Or we're seeking him in prayer and constantly saying, God, okay, what do you need from me? What are you calling me to do, God? If there's anything that he wants us to learn or change or do, we're saying, okay, I'm on it. Let's go. We're, listen, we're so tuned in to what he's wanting to do that you're gonna act when he tells you to act and to the full extent that he tells you, but listen, but you're not going to get ahead of him. That's what it means to wait. Listen, because God doesn't just call us to have faith in his what. He calls us to have faith in his when. And when we try to force God's thing to happen on our time, here's what you end up doing. You end up grasping for things that might have a short-term payoff but come with long-term pain. That's what'll happen. Yeah, there's a, there's a really powerful example of this. Do you guys remember the story of Abraham and Sarah in the scriptures? Uh, now, a quick, quick recap is God had promised a, a man named Abraham and his wife Sarah that someday they'd have a child and that like through that child, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. It was actually through their eventual son named Isaac that Jesus came to the world to save us. So God gave them that promise. But here's what happened is they ended up waiting. There were 25 years, 25 years between the time that God promised them to have a son and when he actually gave it to them. So here's what happened. At year 17, Sarah decides that she's gonna take matters into her own hands. 25 years of waiting. Sarah decides she's gonna, now you should have some compassion on Sarah. This would be like you right now still waiting on God to fulfill a promise he gave you in 1996. Guys, 1996, that's when the Macarena was popular and Duke was still good at basketball. There you go, I had to get that in. I'm from Kentucky, I just need to get that in, okay? Now, so what Sarah did is after waiting for 11 years, she decided to take matters into her own hands and try to do God's work, but on her time. So here's what she did. She grabbed a servant named Hagar, brought this servant to Abraham and said, hey Abraham, why don't you sleep with Hagar and we'll see if that's how we can get a child. And Abraham went, man, you know what? I'll take one for the team, you know? And, and so Abraham stepped in to that. Now, they ended up conceiving and they actually did give birth to a son named Ishmael. But think about this. All of the Arab and Muslim nations descend from Ishmael and have been in conflict with the Jewish people ever since. Now watch this. When we refuse to wait on the Lord and we try to do God's work in our time, do you know what we do? We birth Ishmael's. We birth Ishmael's. Uh, this is like when somebody is single and they can't wait for Mr. Right, so they settle for an ungodly Mr. Right now and you end up with like a bad spouse and a lonely marriage. You know what happened? You birthed an Ishmael. Uh, this is like, man, there might be a ministry that God's calling you to, and you can't wait for the one that he has for you, and so you grasp and you take a ministry that isn't the one God has for you because you want it right now. 
and you end up with a, a, a frustrating and unfruitful ministry. You know what happened? You birthed an Ishmael. Or man, there's something that like you really, really want, like you and your family, you want the new house, you want the new car, you wanna make the move, that kind of thing. And instead of waiting for God's provision, you go in debt and you're just experiencing constant stress. You know what you did? Is you birthed an Ishmael. I'll, I'll give you one more example. You might have a child and you desperately, like desperately, you would give up your seat in heaven to see that child walk with God. But what you do is you end up trying to control them. You're trying to make things happen on your own time. You try to control them instead of loving them. And by the way, you can, in a relationship, you can either have control or intimacy. You cannot have both. And because you try to control them, they end up running away from the Lord. You lose the relationship. And you know what happened? You birthed an Ishmael. And I, I, listen, I know, I know some of you are hearing that and you're like, yeah, Josh, but I am so, that's easy for you to say, I am so sick of being single. Guys, do you know what's harder, you know what's worse than sick of being single? Sick of being married. The only thing that's harder than waiting on God is wishing you had. That's the only thing. And if you'll just be still, trusting God's timing and looking around you, there will eventually come a moment where you just say, you say, it was good that I waited quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now, let me, let me kind of land the plane right here. Um, I know some of you, you're in that white space right now and you are, you're waiting. And you're looking around and you're going, man, nothing's happening. Uh, let me give you like a, a little visual illustration um, of what this is like. So there was a time in, the, it's in 1 Kings chapter 18, where there was a prophet named Elijah and he had gone, there had been three years, think about this, three years in Israel and there had been no rain, total drought. And then God eventually came to Elijah and he gave him a promise. Now, now watch this. He gave him a promise of rain, but he was still waiting for the payoff of the rain to happen. And so they walk up to this mountain this, uh, called Mount Horeb. I actually stood there last year, it was an incredible experience. And Elijah brings his servant to this mountain and they're waiting. They got the promise, but they're waiting for the payoff. And the servant looks at Elijah and goes, man, God promised, but I don't see anything happening. And Elijah says, go run up that mountain and come back and tell me what you see. And so the servant does it and he goes, okay, all right, here we go. He's like, man, all right. Okay, God, I don't, I don't understand why Elijah's telling me to do this. God gave a promise and if God gave a promise, well, he's God, so there's always gonna be a payoff. And so, man, I don't understand why I gotta go up this mountain and see what, see what there is. It's, it's gonna happen, so let me get up here. Know, this is really silly, let me see what, he gets to the top and he looks and he goes, whoa, I got him okay. He starts running back, he's like, man, this is bad. I gotta bring some bad news, I don't see anything. I just, I, I not what I wanna do, it was just like three chapters earlier, Elijah got mad, killed 450 prophets. I don't wanna bring bad news to Elijah. <laughs> let me... I gotta tell him what I see. So he's like, all right, man. Oh, buddy, this is not good news, not good news, not good news. And he gets back and he goes, Elijah. Elijah goes, hey, what'd you see? And he goes, I didn't see anything. Elijah says, go again. And so the servant goes, okay, here we go. All right, here we go. All right, man, let's do it. Let's go again. It's gonna happen this time. You know, it wouldn't happen twice. Let me do this. Let me do this. I'm gonna go Rocky Two on this thing. <laughs> Right here, man. He's like, all right, let's go. Let's 
what's going to happen this time. I've got to give her a promise. I've got to have fun with this. I promise. Pay off. I'm going to see it this time. Let's see what's, get up here, see what's going on. Gets to the top of the mountain. He looks and he goes, oh, buddy, that's bad. I don't see, I didn't see anything again. I don't understand what in the world could be going on. I'm glad I wore this lightweight hoodie for my cardio. I hope church. <laughs> I mean, I didn't see anything. I don't understand. Gotta give a promise. I'm not seeing the payoff. Gone two times. What in the world could be going on? He's at the top. Elijah says, What did you see? He says, Man, I didn't see anything. And Elijah says, Go again. <laughs> now listen, I'm not going again. <laughs> but he does it. He says, Go again. What did you see? Nothing, go again, nothing, go again, nothing, go again, nothing, listen, go again. Seven times he tells this man, go again. And then finally, on the seventh time, dude's done it six times, on the seventh time, Elijah says, one more time, go again. And so he goes, (laughs) he goes again, he starts running. Oh, man, I, I don't know what's going on. God gave this promise, and I'm not seeing a payoff. And I don't understand, like, what could possibly be happening? Man, extra deodorant for the service at Get Hope. And, and he gets up at the top the seventh time, and he looks, and he says, I see something. Okay. He's running a little faster this time. I hold my mic pack. <laughs> He's running a little faster this time. So, okay, man, it wasn't big, but I saw something. I promise, pay off. I've gone seven times, I didn't see anything. What in the world could be going on? He gets back up to the top. Elijah says, what'd you see? And he says, I saw something. I saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elijah says, go tell Ahab to ready his chariots because a downpour is coming. And I heard somebody say it like this one time, is that, do you guys know what that servant didn't understand? He didn't understand that between the promise and the payoff, there's always a process, always. And do you know what happens to a lot of people? A lot of people don't understand that between the promise and the payoff, there's always a process. And because they don't understand that, They give up on the process and they forget the promise and so they never see the payoff. And and guys, between the promise and the payoff, there's always a process and in the process, you know what's happening? The process is the time where God's not changing any, God's not changing anything around you. He's changing you. He's forming you into the image of his son. He's preparing you for what he prepared for you. And when you're in that time, And there's like these holy habits that God's developing in your life. And you'll have these moments where you'll be doing this thing and you'll be doing it again and again and again and again. And you'll be going, man, I don't see anything. I don't see anything. I don't see anything. I don't see anything. Go again. Go again. Go again. Because between the promise and the payoff, there's always a process. And that's where God's working in you. Listen, this is like my, let me do this. This is like my vulnerable pose. You know where some of you guys are right now? Man, some of you, like, you've been going to that AA meeting for four weeks, and you've been 
over and over and over and over. And right now you're looking at your life and you go, man, I'm doing it, but I don't see anything. You listen, go again, go again, go again, go again. And someday you're gonna look up and you're gonna see something and it's gonna be small, but eventually small things become significant things and droughts turn into downpours because God is faithful. Man, some of you like, you're like young moms and like you're changing those diapers and you put in the work and day after day after day after day, you sacrifice, you have those quiet crucifixions that moms have and you're doing it and doing it and doing it and you're looking at your kid's life and you're like, man, I don't see anything. In fact, the, the more I work and the longer I pray, it seems like the worse they get. Listen, go again, go again, go again because someday you'll look up and you'll see something small and then something small will become something significant, man. Some of you leaders and you staff here at Hope Church, man, this year, this has not been an easy year to be a ministry. And right now, like you might be looking around and going like, man, like we're doing what we're supposed to do. Like week after week after week after week after week and it just doesn't seem like anything's happening. Listen, go again, go again and go again and God will be faithful, man, some of you, Some of you, you just, you're at a point in your life where you just wanna walk closely with Jesus. And you're in the word and you're trying to pray and it just seems like nothing's happening. Listen, go again, go again. Good things happen when we wait quietly on the salvation of the Lord because he's faithful and he will surely do it. Man, can I I just pray for us at all of our campuses right now? And would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? And I just wanna ask, God, we invite you into the wait. Father, would you please pour out the power of your spirit into our lives? God, we just, right now, we wanna have surrendered hearts to say that you are welcome here. You are welcome among us. You are welcome in me. You are welcome in us. And Father, would you make us people who can wait quietly, expectantly, with faith on the salvation of the Lord. Father, we ask you right now, if there is anything in our life, anything at all, that you're working to change in us before you change things around us, Holy Spirit, we ask with eager expectation for you to do it because we just want to be transformed into the image of your son, Jesus. We love you. We want to see your name lifted high, and we pray that in the crucified, risen name of Jesus. Amen and amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We appreciate you joining us as we tackle issues facing our modern world from a biblical perspective. To make sure you don't miss a message, please take a moment and hit the subscribe button. Also, if you're new to Hope and want to check out what we're about and how to be a part of our community, go to our next steps at gethope.net slash next. Let us know your story because we'd love to connect with you.